Yo, Chuck, run a power move on him. something to you to give you a true knowledge of yourself and life so that the same glory and success attained by other men who understand themselves may be yours. Man in the full knowledge of himself is a superb and supreme creature of creation. When man becomes possessor of the knowledge of himself, he becomes master of his environment, the captain of his own ship, the director of his own destiny, the accomplisher of his own ends. We are not at the combine this week, um, but you have the Brooklyn Combine in Houston, Houston, Texas. And we happen to be out here with extended combine family, Samad Hinton. Um, but before we get into that, let's do a roll call and see who is in the room. Peace, Brother Mally. Uh, Rude. Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> All right, Rude is on deck. And we have our esteemed guests. Yo, Samad Hinton, great to be here. Great to have y'all in town, man. Love y'all. All right. So g give us a quick uh, a quick idea of who you are, Brother Samad. Yeah. So I am the uh, founder of a startup nonprofit here in Houston, uh, Untangled Pathways. And uh, what we focus on is working with under-resourced communities, um, whereby we're, we're providing youth with the support for this new uh, our fourth industrial revolution we have come in um, upon us. So in our programs, we, we help high school youth uh, attain what we call low-hanging fruit technology skills. So website development, uh, computer coding, um, and at the end of the program, what we introduce them to is the, the idea of social entrepreneurship so they can begin to be the Cavaliers and, and, and really helping our community solve problems through uh, social enterprise. So we're we're looking at how we do that here in Houston um, as a gateway to really uh, one, show our youth that we support them in all of their endeavors and that their family is just not the ones in their household. It's also us, uh, because if we're going to really talk about community transformation, it starts with all of us investing in time invest in our resources and more importantly investing our knowledge uh to impart in them uh because all of us are not getting younger in age we're getting older so uh we are now the wise men or wise women uh in in, in all that we do so uh that's what untangled pathways is about it's about us investing in our youth uh so they are the ones in power and leading us into uh this new uh industrial revolution that we have on hand so i appreciate uh, my brothers at the Combine uh, for extending this time and let me be here to, to chop it up with them today. No, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. You know what, we, we can actually get to uh, one quick question that we know arises with us with our STEM program is, you know, for those of us of a certain age who grew up in any of these, these chocolate cities, you can readily see black and brown people with, you know, very serious, thorough technical skills, and they're rolling around with a cigarette hanging out their mouth, like, hey, boy, let me fix that carburetor for you for $25, yeah. you know. So we know that the technical skill in and of itself isn't enough right. if you're going to be relying on some external party to hire you. Absolutely. So, you know, that's when you, you get to your focus on 
the entrepreneurial aspect of it. So elaborate a bit on that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we talk so much about uh, lack of pipeline or leaky pipeline. I mean, it comes down to this. When we talk about uh, job creation and, and economic uh, stabilization in families in our communities, uh, so long we push this idea that you, in order to do that, uh, somebody has to hire you to go do that, mm-hmm. uh, to tell you or to validate that you're good enough to do it. When in all actuality, you know, our, 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 our forefathers, um, our families before then have always taught us that uh, we can go out here and if we have the skill sets to do it through perseverance and, and grit, we can go out here and start our own. And that entrepreneurship piece is that uh, we're introducing our youth to a concept that uh, many uh, in other countries and even in this country understand that that's the recipe to generational wealth. Mm-hmm. Um, it's that it starts with uh, honing in on those skills, becoming a craftsman of those skills, but eventually going out uh, to create your own. It, you know, Jay-Z says it, you know, we got to create our own lane. And for these young individuals, they have to learn on early on of how to create their own lane and give them the skill sets to do it. Yeah. Uh, so, no, no, no. Yeah. Sure indeed. Quick note, of course, anytime there's a mention of Jay Z, we got to make it super clear the combine isn't necessarily, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> in the habit of picking up Jay, you know what I mean? But again, no, but, but we, the, the point is not lost on us. So, I mean, we, we got a chance to see the shift gears a little bit. We got mm-hmm. a chance to see some of the creative scene while we've been out here. And really good, in particular, like the really good food so far. So, oh, yeah, for, for, for the listeners, um, if you ever are in the Houston area, we're going to give you Samad's phone number. <laughs> you can contact him. Man, he can take you. It's surreal. Yeah, right now he's. Um, I'm still thinking about that Mexican five, we had. At, uh, five for five. You know what I'm oh, saying? Yeah, no, like that he's. fish was. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah. So, it, it, with that, we, we've had, we've experienced like a lot of um, cultural stimulation yeah. out here. Um, tell us a little bit about how the city has been kind of, uh, I guess, uh, they've been going through like a little resurgence. Mm-hmm. I, I see, and uh, I've noticed, and I we spoke to a brother Marcus last yeah. night. Uh, Kat that has a a, a bar. Um, restaurant called mm-hmm. culture um you know what 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 is the creative scene like out here uh i would say it's great uh you know I, i'll start off by saying this uh you know obviously uh with hurricane harvey impacting the community um you know there's there's been more of a a collaborative approach you know houston is you know third largest diverse city uh in the nation and you know when you talk about just the cohesion and the, and the sharing of experience culture wise you know it's been here but what you've seen is that with this this ever since harvey is that we have more uh individuals who as they come here they're adapting to that culture and bringing their own culture to it to really expand upon and make it more diverse uh, how we think about food, for example, what I was telling you guys is that, you know, when we do crawfish here in Houston, it's not just your traditional crawfish. It's we got Korean crawfish, and it's just a unique way of how crawfish is prepared, um, and that's just because of the, the 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 population we have here, of of folks uh, who you know through 
immigration and, and things of that nature have come here and share their uh, culture with us. So the culinary scene, the creative scene here is very much uh, still young in, in essence. But when we have folks like yourself here coming here and sharing that experience, it just all it does is just foster uh, more ideas of how we can do things. So um, one of the places that I always encourage people when they come to Houston is Project Roadhouse, which is an amazing uh, view of just the history of Houston from from the perspective of um, the Third Ward is a historically black community here in Houston. And as you see little bits and pieces of gentrification happening, uh, this community is staying strong and true to itself by showcasing and giving people the opportunity of displaying their arts in homes mm -hmm. that were once resided by uh, slaves. Right. Um, so you think about now those those grandchildren, great great grandchildren, are now displaying their artwork, mm -hmm. displaying their history in the same places that they were once only can live in. That's powerful. Mm -hmm. That's taking the community back. So, mm -hmm. uh, creativity here is something that I'm very proud of to see, and glad that um, Native Houstonians have accepted uh, me being a Floridian. Uh, into this creative space, so I, I, I love it. I love what they're dope, doing dope. down here. Um, by, by the way, big big shout out to um, Big Bro. Um, <laughs> so the this the way we met Samad is through um, a very special guy. His name is Imani Hinton, aka Boogie. Um, for the cats from uh, Hampton, anybody from HU, they know him because he's kind of like the mayor. Um, but Imani coming coming from. Fort Lauderdale. I had the pleasure of meeting uh, the, the family, and um, yeah, man, you, you guys are you guys are uh, sort of they they broke the mold when they made y'all <laughs> Southern <laughs> hospitality. Let's 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 get into a bit of that gentrification piece because mm -hmm. obviously we know this is going on in any chocolate city, you know, anywhere across Absolutely. the country, and this is not a new phenomenon. What is unique though that we do see around, like take for example, like Austin. We see here that like only a few years ago, Austin was listed as being in a unique position in that it was one of the fastest growing cities. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you had this wild gentrification occurring. Yeah. And typically, those two don't go hand in hand. So while you have all of this cross-pollination of mm -hmm. cultural continuities and all of this stuff coming together, at the same time, you got this gentrification piece. Yeah. But, it, but it makes it look good because you got this big creative scene. Mm -hmm. So what is that dynamic like living out here, sort of seeing that duality? Yeah, so in Houston, you know, we're, as they say, we're, we're a little bit different than Austin and sure, a lot different sure. than Dallas. Yeah. Um, I, I think here in Houston, what you see is that um, there's a more understanding of the importance of having that culture represented and, and, and that identity being there. Because uh, when you think about it, um, for example, and, and not to use hip hop in this way, but you know, Houston is a place where you have people like Bum B, Slim Thug, that sure. are widely known and, and respected by community members of all different um, backgrounds of diversity. Mm -hmm. What what area, What areas are those cats from? So, um, Bum B is from um, Beaumont mm -hmm. area, uh, Poor Arthur, uh, which is you know not that far from here. Mm -hmm. um, and then Slim is on from what we call North North Side town uh over in acres home uh once again that's another historically uh black community here in houston um 
but all of these individuals in, in terms of hip hop have made a huge impact to the city where they have their own days. Um, you know, they have uh, contributed so much. So when you talk about that representation, I think the key difference here is that there's a respect and understanding of that identity, that representation is important to how the community is viewed and how we look at when we we look at gentrification why it hasn't taken over as quickly as it as it's done like in other cities other yeah it's cities. not really happening as fast as i've seen in other places that i've lived um i think people are very conscientious of that mm -hmm. and you know to have local government support hey we need these communities here mm -hmm. because of what they represent, what they contribute to the success of Houston and why people want to move to Houston. So I think when you think about that, um, it's crazy enough to say this, but uh, if you have local government that's interested in the people, mm -hmm. that's how you can slow it down. And it has to start with saying local government has to have a high interest in how do we preserve these communities that mean so much to us and contribute to uh, the identity and culture of the city. So I would say that's what um, the key difference of what we've seen in Austin and here is, is really uh, the local government has really, really continues to fight for that uh, preservation of the community. Yeah, there was actually recently a public declaration. It was like kind of wild. We saw like I was reading it somewhere. It was a public declaration. To, and of course, cities make these public declarations all the time. But at the end of the day, it really boils down to, at the community level, <laughs> that sense of commitment. And you all, I mean, it's interesting because like, you have like, what, like six or seven HBCUs out here. <laughs> so you know what I mean? You know, what's, what's, what's that aspect like? to sort of contributing to that commitment at the, the regular, these Absolutely. are non policies these are the people. Yeah. No, it's, it's still, it's great. You know, when you, in, especially in Houston, for those who, uh, you know, once you come out here, you'll see the great history of, and contributions of, of Texas Southern University mm -hmm. located right there in the third ward. Uh, you have Prairie View uh, A&M that's also represented here in this area. And, you know, that pride, um, especially when you have leaderships who, you know, going to elementary and, and middle school and high school and right. growing up here and actually going to those schools and now work in city government, work in state government uh, or start their own business like that tried and true representation of uh, I don't want to call it successive, but knowing that, hey, I can get to this point. These the those two HBCUs that I mentioned, Texas Southern and Prairie View, have contributed a lot. So, uh, what's that term that they call when, you know, people coming from the hood, they go to school and they run? Uh-huh. So, it's, that doesn't exist here. So, that's a big part of mm -hmm. of the fight against gentrification. Like, it's easy to, you know, I think, you know, we, we do the word community around oh, relatively easily. It's, to me, it's just a word. Right. We're not using it how it's defined. Right. And here, there's more of the idea of community in the sense of, like, listen... I'm from here, mm -hmm. I went to school here, and I want to live here. Absolutely. So I'm quicker to invest in my community versus leaving my community. Absolutely, yeah, and you see a lot of that. I mean, it's 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 awesome, almost like this, this representation of what could be. Um, so when you see that, hey, you know what, I don't have to, quote unquote, leave the hood to make it. I can actually do all those things here and still contribute back. And that's something that if we look at, in you know, in some of these underrepresented, underestimated communities that they don't have that at their discretion. They don't have 
uh, a, a HBCU right at the you know next door. So when you have that in your community, you you look at it, you see the results. You start to scratch your head and you ask the question, well, why don't we have that? Why is that not more? Um, and that's something I think we need to ask ourselves and figure out what models and how do we better include uh, these kind of models that we see here, here in Houston and not to necessarily replicate it, but how can we bring something like that to other communities to help out with issues of gentrification, you know, wealth building, um, empowerment, um, all those things that we know that are important for us to, uh, once again, community transformation. This is how we get here. Um, but these are really great examples here that I've seen in Houston, for sure. Dope, dope. We, um, we're gonna, on that note, we'll take a break, um, listen to some music. Um, see, and another thing we haven't, I guess, touched on is that Samad is a major, major music head. Uh, aside from being a foodie, Aside from being a sneakerhead, a gearhead, big music head, what what song would you would you want to go to? Oh man, hey man, that, that I, might be easy. I think. Yeah, it is. It that. is, man. We, we we talked a lot about this, but I, can can I get a little group home? Okay. Can I get a little group home? Say less. Say less. <laughs> oh, by the way, we're we're gonna go to this commercial break without any static from someone who usually gives me a hard nah, time nah, about nah. time. <laughs> you know what? This is a really refreshing podcast, I must say. Um, let's let's go to our um, commercial break. We'll do group home, and we'll come back with a little uh, story about um, our nameless brother who uh, has a big connection to group home. Uh, we'll be right back. Check it out. The realness. I'm on my way, going home, drinking a Heineken Back to the destination where it all begins Get these motherfuckers open before I break them in And for your fish ass niggas, we're not having it Yo, nut, you know the feeling when things ain't right When these non-fiction niggas start to rap on the mic I keep shit to myself and keep it real with the game Fake niggas hang around, but they get no fame Check it out, uh The realness The, 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 the realness 
So we're back. Um, and we had some good some good uh, background conversation with one of the women of the Combine. She's actually the Empress Shung. It was her birthday yesterday. Happy so, birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. 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 Sorry. <laughs> um, but hold up. So, so, so yeah, we're so jumping jump back Kenny, to Kenny's group, group Kenny's home. Group so, home story. Um, Kenneth, Kenoff, Kenoff, who's uh, my, my obedient servant, he, um, he is a great... Uh, well, he has a bunch of stories about every rapper in Brooklyn. So, so there's actually a thing, you know, like the six degrees of separation. Mm-hmm. Was it Kevin Bacon? Yeah, that, that goes for Kenny. Oh. So six degrees of separation of Kenneth Montgomery for any Brooklyn rapper. It's actually less than six degrees. But Ken uh, grew up basically, you know, high school age, even younger, probably with um, a ton of these cats, namely. J. Rue, shout out to J. Rue, the damager. Um, uh, Premier, connected with Premier, DJ Premier, and um, obviously the group home, Malachi, um, and Dap. Lil Dap used to um, call the office when we were in Dumbo, which is mad funny. <laughs> um, but yeah, they, they're definitely a favorite group of ours, so that was, no. that, that, that was good. Um, but yeah, Kenneth is our resident hip hop ah. uh, historian slash. <laughs> Crap talker. Forgot um, bus. bus used to sleep on the floor or something like that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, we can't get into it. It just <laughs> yeah, it, it yeah, keeps going. Like keep it's going. a yeah, it's, it's a wormhole. Bus used to sleep on the floor when we was in Hampton. Um, it just keeps going. You know, Smith and Wesson. That's family. You know, they they go all the way back to childhood. So, there you go. But, but, um, yeah, but really quickly, so off off during a break, we were continuing the conversation, like you said, and that program I was thinking about a few years ago was the African American Quality of Life Initiative. Mm. So again, speaking to the whole lip service piece of, you know, city officials being aware that we have these dynamics and we we want to we want to on some hand, you know, on one hand they want to speak to resolving it because you gotta do that mm-hmm. that public facing component. But then on the other side you have individuals who genuinely want to resolve these these issues. But Rudy was making a really good point about some of the more human dynamics that are involved with how do you actually get communities to say we're going to pass opportunities on. So let's, let's finish that combo, you know, on the podcast. Uh, you, know, you need control. You need power. It's, it's weird for me to expect someone who doesn't know me, doesn't know anything about me, has no care for me to open the door for me. Yes, it happens. Yes, it exists. But that's not realistic. That's, that's, that's like putting all my cards on luck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. And, right. and in many cases, this is what is the sort of unspoken component of any technical skill set that's developed. Mm-hmm. I, you know, again, like we said, whether it's you know, industrial age technical skill sets, you fast forward into the 80s and it's this sort of highly mechanized automotive skill set or today and tomorrow. If it's, you, you know, your tech chops are up, you're this amazing, you know, this incredible coder, this unicorn yeah. coder, as you know, we get the term thrown around. Absolutely. The reality is without those direct connections, you are relying on luck. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Out here, though, you had mentioned about, you know, communities and a lot of these developments in these separate spaces. One, that was what was making all this traffic crazy since we've been out yeah. here experiencing. <laughs> yeah. But it is unique to be in an environment where it's so much physical space everything is spread out you really do have a different type of opportunity as opposed to when everything's stacked on top so that's what i was thinking was probably also a factor in the Mm -hmm. idea of um the gentrification and how it happens out here because it's so much land so i would imagine it's 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 also that's got to be a factor it's not as i guess um 
a ne- it's not as much of a necessity as it is in, in New York, per se, right. or some of these other major cities where, you know, you have a lot of like when back in the days there was this white flight mm-hmm. and now the areas that they kind of left, it's it's a little more convenient now to go back to those areas. Uh, what do you, what do you think, Ruth? It still goes back to the idea of like, listen, it, it, you know, my personal relationship with gentrification is this, man. You know, when I was there, I'm, I'm going to work hard and I'm going to get out the hood. Mm-hmm. I got God. I'm supposed to think when I work hard, I'm supposed to invest in the hood. And that's, and it's easy to invest here because there's more of a community here mm-hmm. built around the concept of being here. Absolutely. Like, listen, you just took me to an amazing juice bar. <laughs> you know, you know, I walk in like, oh, this is dope. You know, the energy just feels different. The, the whole concept of the space feels different. We go to this place, it feels different. We go to this place, here. Now imagine, you know, I grew up here. I go to school here. Mm-hmm. I make my bones in here. My family's here. Yeah. I meet my wife here. I'm staying here. This is it's, it's harder for gentrification to take place, especially when the idea of owning homes is a part of yeah. the family lifestyle. It's 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 it goes. It's rooted into is it you know we're talking about something that's more tangible and realistic, um, and in in that community investment, I think is the biggest piece. Is when you're able to. It, go back and not only grow up somewhere but also your folks seeing the success you're you're you know you're getting those accolades you're you know you're you're putting that arm grease back in the community um all it does is it instills that confidence i mean we've talked about this over the last kind of couple of days of like mm-hmm. that belief in oneself mm-hmm. so when you when you have that belief in oneself and that you can do it here without leaving your neighborhood Think about how powerful that is, <laughs> you know. I, I'm currently paying rent. Yeah, I've known my landlord for quite a time. You know, they're my landlord. I don't have ill will towards them, but yeah. I'm paying rent now. Imagine I was paying rent to a family member mm-hmm. or someone that I care about, and they genuinely care about me. That whole dynamic changes the whole discussion. Absolutely, because there's less chance that you can get an offer that you can't say no to, and you be like, oh, forget Rudy. Mm-hmm. My landlord can get an offer tomorrow and be like, yo, look, bro, I don't know what you're going to do, but kind of on your own. And I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. just like that. And what am I going to tell him? He's got offered $5 million for a home that's not worth $5 million. He's going to say no to that? Right. Because I cause I need to pay him my little rent? Right. Right, right. I mean, that's... I don't know any. I don't know much owners who've complained about gentrification. No. That story is very rare. That, the, the numbers well, are the, so Well, the small. other thing about that yeah. is that it, it is a... Uh, form of supply and demand also Mm -hmm. so it's like if you if there's a need and you know i don't know you own this house or you own this this space this property and then airbnb is a thing you can make a lot more if you converted this apartment to an airbnb per se as as opposed to getting a rent from my personal experience from my because of my personal experience when i figure out the concept of owning property for me it is more than just the idea of something to make money. It is something for to protect my family, to give them a place to rest their head and they don't have to worry like, oh my, this doesn't get swooped out from under them. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I want you to know that this is our house. This is our little community. All right, so let's, so let's again then sort of expand on that because we know historically mm-hmm. we don't ever want to become, it's not to say that we are, but we never want to become the dewy-eyed with this concept of Owning, but by owning, we typically mean giving the bank rent. We simply don't call it that. The reality is when we start to expand on those ideas, like we know the history of this place. There's been no, there's no shortage of times throughout this country's history where you have had 
tremendous amounts of ownership, but that natural next step of then wanting it to be even more, maybe a county, maybe a city, maybe mm-hmm. a nation. Now you get into a conversation about nation building, and if you're not prepared to talk about protecting what you have and then expanding on it mm-hmm. to then develop connections with other nations and other states and things of that nature, at best you're talking about getting as comfortable as you can in somebody else's house. Now that may be beyond you know, what we're going to try to get into today with this conversation, sort of introducing you know, people to, you know, to the city out here, but it is a worthy conversation because you don't want to end up in this cyclical dynamic where you keep getting generations fight, 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 work hard in some way, own a bunch of property, and then wonder how do we lose it? It's like you're going to keep losing it because it's not your nation. Mm-hmm. What you're doing is getting a very you're getting the penthouse in the hotel, but it ain't your hotel. So you know, at some point, that part of the conversation will have to arise. But anyway, let's definitely build on some of what we have been experiencing. Mm-hmm. Here. We, we we touched on it a bit with the foot. One of the restaurants. I'd love to introduce cats to all the places that we went to, as well as some of the stuff you're taking us to see today. Yeah, I mean, we. I, I think we can start off with last night, which I think was a great experience for all of us. Uh, one of the restaurants here, uh, culture that we went to, and you know the name itself, and when you hear uh, one of the owners um, that that founded culture, um, it's not just about a, a food experience. You know, it's about experiencing the culture of of Houston and particularly uh, those elements that 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 make the third war what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you hear the stories like um, about the Breakfast Club, which yeah, we, we, so we, we all been talking about going to. Right. Um, it's you start to understand more and more about how uh, representation in culinary and creative arts is embedded in everyone's their 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 experience here growing up in houston um you know like i said you know what's unique about what we here in houston is that this is not your traditional kind of seven by seven city it's like literally 50 by 50 by 50 50 miles north west east south um that's the radius in in the massive size that we're talking about so when you start to talk about uh i give you example uh food dynamics here uh, in the inner loop of what we call it, it's going to be totally different when we go out to Katy. Okay. Um, and it's going to be totally different if we go south into Chinatown. Um, so it's just really the spacing part that we talk about. Mm-hmm. It does have an impact of how culture is viewed and, and the different tastes that you're going to get and right. what you're going to see visually. Right. It is so much different from each location you're going to go to, which I, I truly appreciate and value because... When you have things that are stacked on each other, you kind of miss out on some things. And and that's what I appreciate and value here in Houston is that you can you have enough time to visually digest something, mm-hmm. you know, which is which is crazy of something that I've learned over the last few years of the importance of being able to step back, visually digest something to understand that there should be an appreciation for it. And I think in our lives, because we are so fast because of social media whatever we forget to just take the time just to appreciate something for what it is like really having our taste buds um through kacharas really just enjoying that moment of family friends celebration 
it enhances our food experience by exponentially, right? Mm -hmm. So that's where I think Houston has really done a great job of like creating a space in in an environment where we can actually enjoy those moments for what we always should have been doing since our times as family eating at the dinner table. Food was always an important part of who we are because at the dinner table, that's the time you got to make joke with your brother or your sister, or your mom mm-hmm. and dad, talk about that real stuff. And you remember the food you were eating. Sure, sure. And I think what I've seen here in a lot of the restaurant owners here, particularly those uh, 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 black and brown uh, culture, is that they have developed food spaces to allow us to do that. Yeah, no. Like, what was the <laughs> incredible spot we were at with, with Amado and me and Rudy? So Cucharas is like a it's a Mexican 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 uh, spot in, in Houston and there's this insane bartender there, Amado. Amado. I got the yeah, shirt. Yeah, yeah, Amado. Blame Amado. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rude brought the shirt. Hashtag blame it on Amado. I like that. Yeah, he brings through. He brings through. Yeah, you got to tell him about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he challenged me. And really yeah, he came. Home. He came through and challenged dudes <laughs> after he fed us mad mezcal. <laughs> cats are toasty. He brings by a, an electrical device, and you got to like hold on to it, and he turns it up, and it's like the electric shock is going through yeah, your arms. Pretty wild. It's pretty I love cool. it. I love Rudy it. actually ordered it on the spot, but <laughs> that that scares me because um, I feel like he's going to bring that into the office, and that'll be an issue. But but. The but you, you're right on point with that um, that that comment about community and sitting down and enjoying a meal and sharing ideas and sharing that time because a lot of our our culture has kind of moved outside of the home. It's moved to you know we're we're spending you know more time maybe outside of the house eating a meal and so when they create these spaces, especially like the ones we've we've gone mm-hmm. to from Kucharas to um, culture to um, what was the other spot. Um, yeah, what, what was the spot? It was basically like oh. built out of a house. Yeah, yeah. Um, house. Uh, no, no, We went there before we linked up with Sama, but all of these spaces are beautiful, very well designed, very cool laid out spaces that have this vibe of like intimacy, um, family mm-hmm. almost family oriented, mm-hmm. and um, and we see that that sort of theme going going throughout. So a- absolutely, I mean that's the the whole gist of it. I think we can just talk about. Uh, and we'll give the plug to Juice Land because it's my favorite place. Oh, but yeah, Juice Juice Land. Uh, you know, when you talk about uh, a, a scenario where you have a place like Juice Land that talks about that health and wealth, um, you know, investing in your body uh, tied into a building with a nonprofit yoga studio. I mean, think about that. Yeah. Um, and, and oh yeah, Black Swan. Yeah, yoga. Black Swan. I mean, yoga. I mean, that's those are the kind of things that's going to help our community really understand the importance of those investment um and i can tell you in the third war that there are some things i'm going to show you today where you also are going to see that investment of the health and wealth so it's creating that access Mm -hmm. for our people to to really be able to say you know what i know i haven't been eating the best but now i actually have an option to go eat something else that's better for me Mm -hmm. um and i think that's um all kudos to the generation we have right now, um, where we understand the importance of that. 
Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm really glad, and, and I can't wait to show you guys what that looks like no, uh, when we go to our next location. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so we're going to take the uh, podcast on the road a little bit out here in Houston, and uh, we'll be reporting to you from the streets. Um, one quick thing on, the, on on that note, the earlier note, shout out to Juices for Life and Bed Stuy. They're right on uh, Malcolm X. That's uh, Styles P. Angela Yee, oh, yeah, and DJ sure. Envy, yeah, yeah, yeah. Envy yeah. went to Hampton too. So shout out to Envy. Um, but but you, you're right. Like there is a there's also a a re re sort of revived um, interest in in health, wealth, mm-hmm. you know, juicing, just eating much better. Like like that that's been a refreshing take you know what I couldn't on find this out trip. Here though? I couldn't mm-hmm. find. Usually we go to these places. I'm always able to find like some bars I can go out and freaking run. And, Oh, yeah, some, you know what I'm saying? Get some outside where I couldn't find any any out here. It's so many you know, highways. And, yeah, yeah. No I guess you gotta go. You gotta go to the gym out here. Yeah, yeah you, you gotta go to the gym. Well, yeah, maybe, the, the, maybe, the other yeah. thing is, this is not a walkable city. That's that right. Too. You gotta go in certain areas, certain pockets. But um, I think when you go to like these different cities, like Rio or or, or Senegal, like yeah. you're walking down a strip of Absolutely. you know you can walk like miles. And you're seeing like oh, yeah, workout stations a, and things of that nature, yeah. uh, of things of that nature. But or you know, here it's not really a workable. There's yeah. always like a park yeah. nearby or something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's something that the city. I'll be honest with you, the city is working on that now yeah. okay. uh, to develop that because that green space and, and maybe I didn't touch on that a little bit is that the city is working um, really hard on creating more green space for these neighborhoods who historically haven't had the green space. Mm -hmm. So they are developing um, one, which is in, um, matter of fact, just Third Ward, they created, they opened it up last year, I wanna say, uh, which is an awesome place. Matter of fact, they renamed the street to Emancipation Park. Mm, So it's it's really, you know, when you talk about that culture and how that fits into uh, the larger picture, uh, it's a dedicated gym. They have a swim pool. They have this huge, beautiful new outdoor space for the kids to play. Um, it's it's just really great. So that investment you guys are talking about, uh, the city is working really hard on getting that because they know um, if we're going to have a really growing and productive community and allow Houstonians to grow, mm-hmm. we got to give them that space. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can't be in the cars all day. Yeah, especially when you're Trump. coming from other cities yeah. where that's normalized. <laughs> like, the weather is beautiful out here. Yeah. So I'm thinking, yeah. like, the first thing, I'm now. like, oh, man, the sun is up, I'm going to go. <laughs> we get too hot. <laughs> I believe it's just the government. I believe it's people having a common interest and common goal and saying, listen, you're going to get into the government to help Further our needs. Mm-hmm. Oh sure, yeah, 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 yeah. You can yeah. have local, groups, yeah, you can have local groups get together and say, "Hey, Absolutely. let's take this plot of land, let's convert it to a park, let's oh, put no. some bars." Yeah. The government needs to okay, sir. I think so. I need you to get into the government. I need you to get into politics and and help further our our needs. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure, for sure. Absolutely. Um, real quick before we we take a break, um, you're working on a on a coding. Yeah, workshop. yeah. It's, we're gonna um, launch our first. Uh, panel discussion and and what that is around is we're gonna approach it from really um, allowing the community and, and stakeholders to have a, a, a voice in what in how they perceive how technology is impacting their lives um, and so one of the first sessions that we're gonna have is to talk about the intersection of technology and how it has uh, emp- empowered women of color. Uh, Phil and I talked about this last night, 
And the reason why we're launching that as the first discussion is because uh, so much of our history, uh, particularly for women of color, is that we've always uh, kept of who gets a stake at the table and be the representation mm -hmm. of the perceptions and the voice uh, for women of color. Right. And what we've seen now is that through technology, that is no longer the, the norm. Mm -hmm. uh, women of color now have been able to have their voices heard through different means and channels of, of technology. And I think that's very important for our culture um, that our women counterparts have that voice because it's so important to who we are culturally that their voices are heard at the table and no longer somebody's controlling who is at the table, who gets to say what. Right. Um, but that's what we're going to start off with right. is to allow the community to have that engagement and talk about how technology is, is really intersecting uh, and impacting our communities, uh, which we know um, I think it's an important dialogue that we have. For sure. And, of course, amplifying the voice that's sharing the message that we want to be broadcast more loudly. Because we all know the more dominant image of black and brown women yes. as it relates to tech, in particular with social media. And, unfortunately, the way that's impacting this next younger generation of young <laughs> ladies is creating a whole new set of norms and a whole new set of social standards that they're looking to maintain so that they can have the look and the likes and the friends and what have you. But there is certainly another voice that's been empowering and democratized, and we want to make sure to amplify those voices. Absolutely, absolutely, and that's the that's the whole premise around this is is to really say uh, when we talk about technology and culture, how impactful it has really been. Uh, we are now at the fingertips um, can do so many things, but also there's a there's a cautionary tale I want to say to that is that. When we talk about technology also is how we capture our history you know how do, do we want technology to capture our history in 142 characters or a picture or do you know how do we still uh encourage our younger folks to be writers and journalists uh so we can make sure that our history and our narrative digitally is capturing the way we want to make sure it's captured to catch capture the whole picture yes no, yeah for sure for, for sure. sure for sure all right um so with that we about to make a move um music man what, what's next oh music man uh I, I, I gotta keep it this is for my, my my jersey people man can i get that there is a dark side red man oh man <laughs> that was from mali right. Basically, them trick bitches get nailed down. And see, basically, Red Man 
album is no joke And see, basically, I don't get caught up at my label Cause I kill when they fuck with food on my dinner table I drop a punchline at lunchtime Cause I'm a closer counter of the nut kind With dumb rhymes, I battle all of y'all at one time To fuck all you fools out there with the large vocabulary in your sentence I don't need that shit to pay my rent with And to the nosy, stink assholes, I ask you Why you be acting all fly when your monkey ass work up that fast food? And why is it every time that a multi-platinum artist always use the underground to make a comeback? Is it fair to the hardcore niggas that rap that don't give a fuck about the radio plus the next bitch at that? And being hardcore is not about wearing high-tech boots and black scully hats and making thick-ass frowns because your best buddy plots. Think about it. Sip on the chocolate tie and let your brain fall out of focus. This is another episode coming live from the Funkadelic Man himself. All right, so 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 now we, we we're back um, and we're on the go. We're uh, we're eating right now. We we're, we're we're about to eat. We're at a spot called Benji's out in Houston and um, we're in Rice Village, and we. We have um, some of the women of the Combine added to the group. And before we continue, Samad has a question for the group. I gotta ask questions. So before coming out here, when you thought about coming to Houston, you thought about coming to Texas, what were your original thoughts on what you would see and how uh, the community would be in terms of interaction and engagement? I definitely expected to see a whole lot of cowboy hats and big belt buckles. I haven't seen anyone on horse yet either, but I did think that I was going to see that. And I have not experienced the go big or go home Texas plates. I'm sure that they're out here. I just haven't seen them yet. Um, I actually had no expectations. I mean, I have friends from Texas, so... And actually, all the ones I know that were born and raised here, three generations, they actually have no southern accent. I'm like, how do you not have any southern accent? And they were like, well, we're from Dallas. They were they're like, a lot of people from Dallas don't have accents like other parts of Texas. And that was their explanation. I don't know if that's true because I'm not from here. Um, yeah, I don't really, I didn't really have any. Oh, actually, I'm surprised about how good the food is here. Because I figured I'm always like out of state. Is I'm used to chain restaurants, and like, there's a lot of amazing food here. Like this food scene and how diverse it is here. I'm actually surprised about the food scene. And maybe that's my New York snobby sensibility, but I'm surprised how good the food scene is here. Um, I was thinking about gun culture. And, you know, I expect to see, I expected more guns. And I was like, is it because it's such a big country that gun culture that there is maybe, it's just quiet. Like it's not as, you know, violent as it might be or could be, you know? Yeah, I actually didn't have any expectations. I had I had really probably only one thing that I really kind of wanted to see. And I was like, ah, you know, I don't know if I'm going to get a chance to see. But I really wanted to see some of the wild pointy-toe boots. The wild, super long pointy-toe boots. Yeah. Okay, okay. We, we, we can definitely take you guys there if you want to go see that. We can I do that. See that. I want to see that. Yeah. Everybody here, I bet, I bet you have this restaurant got a gun in their car. Just, just wanted to tell you that. Yeah. Or they might have a gun on their person, but yeah. I, I didn't re- like my only um, sort of preconceived thought 
was kind of like um i think of like houston i think of like bun b and uh, paul wall and and and, and dude like yeah on my hip-hop reference so so yeah yeah but I, I haven't seen too much uh you know i guess in the yeah in the, in the way of okay in the, in the way of like stereotypical houston stuff i haven't seen it so Shabby, though the food is surprisingly good like when you picture a city like that's this big at least coming from the northeast i do i guess have a tendency to think there's going to be a lot of big chains you know what i mean off the side of the highway whatever but there's so many local eateries that are like extremely culturally rich and nuanced and entrenched in that community that is that's that, that was a pretty cool surprise i wouldn't have doubted it but it's, i wouldn't have even thought about it, it would have been you know a non-thinking piece um, so really quickly, we this is going to be a kind of like a shorter segment just because we're in a loud restaurant. But um, we were going to talk to you about, uh, or you were going to explain to us a little history about the way that, um, I guess, cu uh, customarily black um, cooks, black people burn their food. Is that is that what it is? is that what it is? Oh, yeah, no, no, that's kind of that's kind of loaded. I'm wilding. Overcook, overcook. That that that's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> so Jamaicans, all the Jamaicans overcook their food. universally overcook their food i now, think you, wait a minute. When, you, when you say universal you mean like the entire planet earth like all black people all like that's kind of outrageous overall like we'll cook and most people will be like i want my meat where i don't see no blood certain meats it's taste good on where you from it's going to definitely depend on where you from the woman sitting right next to you well, i didn't yeah, have to go far <laughs> I don't. I find that. Come on, you can't. You, just, you can't say. Growing up, you saw people saying, "Can I get my eggs runny?" Like, no. And you go to a restaurant, you hear, "Can I get my eggs fried hard as hell?" I think where I see about nothing. A, I think you're talking about a very particular type of black person. That's very. Fam I think it's really important to keep in mind that it's extraordinary diversity in our communities. We're talking about a whole continent, 12 plus million square miles, West Indies, all across the country. It's a lot of diversity. I'm talking about Africa and I'm talking about here. And Samad is about to explain to us historically why we do that. And if he wouldn't have an explanation if we didn't do that. <laughs> Samad? Yeah. Oh, I'm going to, y'all put me on the spot. Don't worry. Um, so, oh, <laughs> so, as, as, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, we got uh, cinnamon toast crunch and all this other stuff coming around, but as as I was going to go into it, it's ideally for for our culture historically why there's been that overcook um, what some people perceive as overcooked food is you know when you talk about uh, when food used to come to us um, when we were enslaved, they came to us not as uh, cooked food. So ideally, you were recooking the food, and thus that that history, that storyline carried on for generations of why we need to overcook food because when it was given to us from to the slave quarters, those food were not prepared in a way that was really eatable for any human being. Right, so, so, then, so, let's, so let's keep briefly on that, and then yeah. we won't, we won't back to the source. 
when we speak about that, again, from a historic perspective and from a nationalistic perspective, we, we're keeping in mind that when we, when we talk about, let's say, those of us who endured the chattel slave experience, we can narrow that down even to those who endured it at a specific time. We gotta make a distinction between the black people that were already here in these lands before that. We gotta make a distinction between the blacks that didn't grow up on the continental US, blacks in Brazil, blacks in, black, and not to mention the vast majority of us that never left the continent. So when we say, when we say black people do a thing, we, I think it's healthy to be specific because everybody doesn't have the same experience and everyone's historic uh, narrative and trajectory is not the same. So that, that's the only point I'm making. But certainly there are a lot of us that have a shared, some shared cultural overlaps or what have you. But that's the reason it's exciting to keep meeting black and brown people from all over the world because you start to see all of this rich diversity. You know what I mean? I mean, so. look at, I just watched, um, when I, as I'm planning to go to Ethiopia, there's um, that, whole, that whole area like in Addis where mm -hmm. they actually serve raw beef like they eat it completely raw and as far as they're concerned so, they've been doing you know it right so you know some of us i personally prefer it to as i guess the saying is you can take off the the horns and wipe the butt and put it on the plate yeah. like i love it completely runny like just heat it up on two like on the sides and then put it on my plate i don't eat it like that anymore because it grosses him out but i love it that way my mother is the same way so like almost a lot of my family prefers their but uh, prefers their meat raw, like but almost. I will, but Have you I will ever say this. Well done? Yes, and it's like chewing rubber. I don't, I don't, I don't understand yeah, why my, people my eat it. Too. I don't have a taste for it, but I will say this: since we mentioned Ethiopian food, I do not like Ethiopian food. So, yes. So, if any any of our audience, you know, what I'm saying, any Ethiopian cats, any uh, Eritrean cats, yeah, anybody yeah, got yeah. the love? Yo, recommend some good dishes for the Maliban because I am not looking forward to the food. I gotta keep it real. And I love to eat, but I have never had Ethiopian food that I personally enjoyed. I was like, man, I really, it was a lot for one. I'm not a big bread guy. So a lot of the bread, a lot of the textures were foreign and they, they weren't enjoyable to me. So I'm, I'm, I'm not going there with the notion that I'm not gonna like anything, but I'm hoping that somebody could recommend one or two dishes that if I could have a staple, I'll simply eat that and be cool. You know what I'm saying? So. Okay, so let's clear that up by saying you've had Ethiopian food in Montclair, New Jersey. No, of course, of And course, we're yeah. going to actually have course, Ethiopian food in and Ethiopia. In, yeah, no, of course. And I've been planning the and meals in Brooklyn. No, for no, about in Brooklyn. six months. No, no, but it's, it's cool, it's cool. So. so we definitely have some ideas to try when we get there. But um, I don't, I prefer, Allegra ate her pork chops medium rare when we were out. So I think you learn how to eat from your parents or your grandparents, and then you learn what you like. Um, I grew up with my mom, my grandmother, who was from the South, so everything my grandfather liked was like hard, like fried pork chops, hard. Um, but I then like ordered, um, steak. It wasn't pork chops. we went to some place and she ordered oh, her pork chops I'm, I'm medium. Thinking Saint Anne's. I'm thinking of a but restaurant. raw, hard. It really just depends because a, a lot of times slaves were getting like the worst cut. So you were like you were getting that fat back and you were frying it to make it taste like bacon because you you ever chewed a chewy piece of fat back that your grandmother put in a what pot of greens? Fat back? So fat back is it's um you know a pork rind? No. Um what's a pork rind? It's it's the it's the fat back fried. So it's like so there's like a pork belly. You ever seen a piece of pork belly? Just so the fat of the pork. I mean, it's a certain cut though, so I, it's I like know. so it's like bacon, but okay. it's like the fat, so it's like okay. a 
six inch thick piece of fat okay. and you cut it up okay. and then you fry it hard okay. or you boil it to add flavor to your greens okay. or your beans okay. and it when you when you boil it it becomes very gelatinous Gelatin, very yeah. chewy like how now that i will eat only fried hard and that is the source of an extraordinary amount of heart disease and all types of other madness in our communities. Like, yes. That's not like an artery waiting to explode. <laughs> and I'm, I mean, you and I'm good on that. I don't eat it anymore because I'm on blood pressure medication. However, actually, ironically, ironically, the other night, some of us did have a little bit of it. Absolutely. I, I mean... It, it, it's it, it comes back to uh, yeah Mexican style, but I mean I, I think it all comes it all comes back to what we're all saying is that's that that personal experience plus sometimes if we're told a certain story, uh, we believe that we're not supposed to like something until you had it, um, and once you especially the more you travel, whether that's domestically internet in internationally, you start to experience different foods in a different way, and I think that's the the great part about traveling is that it allows us uh, to have a different palate experience and it gets us to a place where and I think it's okay to say man I really don't like that (laughs) and I really do like something I was about to go there because you know again everybody knows the running joke I cannot cook nobody likes my food so that's fine I'll eat my food I at least won't die but I will say this after eating you know a lot of food a lot of different places I've gotten cool with like yeah you know what I don't like this. Like, like, like this, this does not appeal to me. This texture or this spice or you know whatever the case may be. And then you kind of start to find what you do like. Whereas before, you may not have known why you like something. Now you start to really investigate it further. You know what I mean? So yeah, like I don't like overcooked vegetables or overcooked fish or overcooked meat. I just don't like overcooked like, foods. I, like, I tend to prefer raw vegetables. Why? Because growing up, that's what I was exposed to. You know, we ate a lot of raw vegetables. You know, from the garden. So yeah. I have those memories, and you know, yeah. you like that. I don't mind raw. I just, for digestively cooked is better for me. But I just like my my vegetables like cooked but crunchy, and like, and I can taste my flavors of my food. So that's just what I prefer. Um, yeah. All right. With that said, we're gonna move on to our next segment. And um, before we move on, I know we had these um, wonderful women's voices, and we don't really have names. So just introduce yourselves on the tail end of this, so we can know who we talking to. We, we, we got the usual suspects, but who are the women of the Combine? Shaba Shon. Chi Chi. All right, there you have it. So we'll see you in a minute. Samad, what, what, what's the next song? You got to move us around. You got to move us around? Yeah, what, what about uh, we didn't do nothing in Texas? Uh, good Texas? Okay, let's go with. Actually, can we go West Coast? Because I was listening to West Coast. Okay. Can we go with the Alcoholics? Say less. Go. What's alcoholics your name? Oh, What's right. your name? <laughs> My name is Old Dirty Bastard. And I'm an alcoholic. Yeah, me too, nigga. Oh! With the legs, so start reaching for the ozone. I see some girls I know, but y'all look different with your clothes on. What's up, though? Tasting is still like the Grinch. While I'm leaving niggas puzzled, like I said, my shit in French. But it's all old English that I'm bringing from beneath. Try to bite my style of life, I'm watching spirits crack your teeth. 
Cause I make words connect like Westside when I test glide. My drunken lyrical hang glider. Nobody's tighter than a rough rap provider. With 90 ways to peel you, so I know the three words. That's a kill ya. familiar. I filter out the week every time I speak. I drink to hit the peak to make my mind go. I'm deaf to defiant. You rapping like my client. Trying to scrape me for the style that's like harder than Kobe Bryant. Be quiet. This is liquidation from the West. Motherfucker. Luigi's Axel Rad. Luigi's is part of it, next to it. Yes. All right, so we we at uh, we still in Houston. We out garden. here. It's a beer garden. Um, this is our last segment, man. We 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 had a great day. Yeah, we had, we had a beautiful day. In fact, go to see the row houses, and it was incredible. It was incredible. Why don't you give us a bit about what we saw? Man, um, what you saw at row houses. Project Row House, let me say that, and anybody that comes to Houston, it should be definitely a destination that you go to because it's our history. It's where our great-great-grandparents and cousins, and it's it's all of us. Um, but it's a representation of uh, the past meeting the present, meeting the future. And, and what we talked about as a whole collectively is that in our society, we, this is, you know, it's, it's one of those things, it's great to see that creatively we can talk about our trauma in such a way that it produces dialogue. And in that dialogue, we are solution oriented and not talking about the problems. And I think that's what Project Row House does for us. The artists there, what they've laid out is a way for all of us to recognize that our our trauma is not just germane to a region, a city, a metropolitan. It is uh, historically recorded across the board, and I, I, I encourage all of us to, when you come to Houston, that, that you make that a stop and go see it. So we, um, yeah, we, we enjoyed it. It was it was definitely like a really enlightening experience seeing those um, those the, the basically the art installations in each row house. Um, each artist take on the theme of uh, it seemed like a theme of like uh, 
I guess recidivism, um, uh, pain and trauma to, you know, community development, a, a real dynamic, strong sense of history and humanitarianism. In one of the exhibits, there was there was a wall that was dedicated to sharing your story from 2000 to 2018, and so there were all these little nodes, and anybody who came in. You simply, you know, leave a little note, you put it on a wall, and it was great to see other people's stories who had visited this same space. It was great to see people able to share stories that they might not be able to share at an individual level talking, but they could write it out. Well, who was the sister who, one of the artists, she had a piece, Rudy mentions her from time to time. She she had redid one of the houses, the sister, she had the exhibit. The one that's a... Uh don't tell her the smile piece. Yeah, I, I forget her name. F uh, Fuzz. I, I, I'm bad. Yeah, we, we don't have her, her name in hand, but we'll we'll we'll, we'll actually put that in in, in the link so so you, get, so you guys can check out um, that. <laughs> At least you can check out um, Project Row Houses. But but uh, yeah, her piece was interesting too. Um, it was kind of like testimonials, if you will. Um, yeah. So I mean, the idea. Yeah, yeah, the entire project reminded me of Weeksville. Um, the Weeksville... Uh, I it felt more warmer than Weeksville. Yeah. In a sense of like, uh, I love Weeksville, but Weeksville definitely feels as though it's like, you know, if you're not of the right culture, this isn't for you. And it's in the hood. This felt like it's in the hood, it's part of the hood, and it's for everyone. I, I I I agree. Um, Weeksville is I mean, is it's different. Smaller too. Weeksville is so much bigger too. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and, and, and ironically, Weeksville was very similar to the row houses because of they because of the history and they have these sort of restored houses still in the condition that they were they would have been back then, if you will. But um, but they did have a, a big big um, huge. Um, injection of funding and they, they built this this whole sort of history piece in this building and so Weeksville is different but I do feel like this somewhere like for those of our listeners who don't know Weeksville is uh, uh, one of the first freed black communities in Brooklyn and there's there's a whole history and a, and a historical location in Brooklyn in Crownsville uh, Crown, Crown Heights yeah, Buffalo and uh, yep, something like that. Yep, and what they what they do is they they have a similar like this time capsule of history in that area. Um, they try to give you a feel of what it was like to live in the houses at the time, what it was like, I guess, to also you know be a sort of freed um, black person in that time. You know what I mean? So. Phil and I actually worked on a project in pursuit of freedom that went into the history and did a, a really cool bike tour to expose the community to it. Because as we said, there was a community, well there's a community right there and a lot of people that weren't even aware. And it might be the case here as well where they're still doing, you know, knowledge development on that location. Absolutely. Yeah, I was talking to, you know, the guys here and letting them know like also in that Project Road House they have another initiative and it's called the compound where on friday nights uh there's a group of bikes that is renting out uh to the community uh people can purchase tickets and what they do is uh the the navigators of that tour uh it's a bike ride with music from 
Uh, they have themes of like Kendrick Lamar, Beyonce, they do mix, but it's about infusing the culture, but in that, they talk about the history of the Third Ward. So it is about that knowledge base, but also to say, wherever you're from, you're welcome here. Because our culture has always been that. Um, it's just like, you know, when you come back to the South, don't matter how long you've been away, grandma always gonna give you a hug. And she gonna be like, hey, you my child too. So I think that's the that's the feeling that I hope you guys have experienced since you being here is that you're gonna get a hug from all of us uh, because it's about that experience. It really is. Yeah, no, that, that's that's wonderful, and that's that's definitely how we feel. Uh, you know, um, coming out of New York and then coming to this southern sort of uh, historical uh, stop, if you will. So. Uh, on that note, I think we had a we had a solid day, um, brother Rudy. What, what 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 do you what do you want to say in parting? Um, I'm I'm grateful for coming to Houston. I'm grateful for this experience. I'm grateful for meeting you, and uh, you know, it's a lot to be said for sharing, sharing time, sharing uh, space, sharing experiences, and it's just beautiful experience. Like coming here and seeing happy confident warm black and brown people was amazing for me it's something that i need to see more of no for real not yet same goes here i mean and again we know that you got a lot of the same dynamics as we see in any other cities a lot of the same troubles a lot of the same challenges but it looks different here and it's different it's different solutions taking place there's different approaches and so that can be refreshing you know what i mean there's some wild music going on in the background right now as well you know what i'm saying you know we, we didn't mention uh, new orleans we saw a similar a similar piece in new orleans where they had those that little pop-up type spot where they had the small row house type type setup yeah i forgot uh i don't know the name of it we we'll, we'll look that up um but it, there was definitely a similar um treatment it's much smaller but it was it was built off of trailers but it was almost the same setup as the, as the Project Row House. So, yeah, so it's, um, it's nice to see the people taking initiative upon themselves to really create solutions that will work in an intimate way for the people right then and there. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, and and like <laughs> like Mally said, the music is intense in here. So, you know. And it's, at the same time, there are two, three-year-olds, four-year-olds, five-year-olds running around safe while their parents are enjoying themselves. Yeah, and and here enjoying the space. There are little kids running around. They're playing. They're eating food. They're playing with each other. They're playing with other kids, and the parents are here. And no one. This feels like a community. This feels what community, I think a community should look like. Yeah. So I mean, you know, with with that with that said, we um, we're gonna say peace to our brother Samad Kelly, holding us down in uh, Houston. And until next time, the Brooklyn Combine is out. Peace. Combine out. What's up, Kiki on lock? Nigga ain't forget about your player. Dragging a foe for you, know what I'm talking about.